Hello, I'm Sheldon Shalley, psychotherapist, shamanic practitioner, and the author of the book, The Other Man and Me. And I'm Bertha Eddington, podcast producer, and we both welcome you to this groundbreaking podcast, Spirituality and Sexuality, The Hidden Connection. So Sheldon, what are we going to talk about today? Well, Bertha, today we're going to talk about archetypes and their relationship to our personal growth. Mm, that sounds intriguing. Um, can you give us some examples of what you mean by archetypes? Well, simply, archetypes are typical and universal inborn models or patterns of behavior. And they have a perception, and they originate in the collective unconscious, and they play a role, actually, in influencing human behavior and attitudes. For example, mother, father, death, rebirth, hero, outlaw, explorer, creator, ruler, magician, lover, caregiver, jester, sage, victim, rebel, castaway, leader, professor, salesman, gambler, detective, thief, are all examples of archetypes, typical and universal ways of being that exist everywhere in all time and places, usually. It's our experience with the archetype that determines how we're going to experience it. For example, let's take the archetype of the father. There are many, many ways to experience a father, and thus the masculine energy. But it's one's personal experience, your personal experience, my personal experience with a particular father or other important men in our lives that determine what aspects of that father archetype we're going to exhibit. Yeah, so I see, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of of when you're a kid and, you know, you play the game of I'm a fireman or I'm going to be this when I grow up, that that when I grow up, you know, that that. I see the importance of those archetypes. So since we've been examining our growth and desire for unity through our soul consciousness, can you give us a dream example of what you're talking about archetype-wise? Certainly. I had a dream in which a large bull was running toward me, and I had to stop it. I'm anxious. I'm not sure I can. There are two cardboard gates that I plan to put up in front of the bull to stop it. There are two sizes. There's a large cardboard and a smaller one. There are men there that are to help me, but mostly it's my job. As the bull is coming toward me, I hold up this smaller cardboard gate. A man at the other end says, No, wider, 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 wider. I put the wider gate up to stop the bull, and it stops. The The bull falls, and I grab its horns, and I subdue it as others come to assist. Wow, that sounds packed with information. I would wake up with my head spinning. So what does your experience and your training, of course, tell you about the meaning of the dream? Well, in many ways, this dream it could be a scene right out of the Mithric mysteries. In one version of the myth, the Roman god Mithras subdues and kills the sacred bull. In another teaching of Mithraism, Mithras himself was the bull that represented his lower nature, and by slaying the bull, he was sacrificing himself for the redemption of humanity. At that point, Mithras, in the form of the slain bull, lay like Christ in a tomb for three days before being resurrected to join with his higher self. So how does 
this particular archetype relate to our personal growth? Well, I have maintained throughout my book, The Other Man and Me, that the bull in my dreams represented the earth masculine. This is the masculine principle inhabiting nature, that male procreative force of the earthy unconscious masculine, symbol of the life-giving force, the regenerating force of the earthy kind of unconscious uh, masculine energy that's connected to the goddess energy, the ancient goddess of ancient times. And as such, it was the embodiment of my bisexuality and the shadow of my patriarchal fundamental Christian consciousness. For example, throughout history, the bull was both a masculine and a feminine symbol, the feminine part because of its crescent horns. And so it became an apt symbol in my dream life for my own bisexuality. Um, It first appeared in my dreams, the bull chased me up a tree. In its second appearance, I was able to enclose and contain the bull in a barn. But in this dream, you see, I actually subdued the bull. In the act of grabbing its horns, I actually taking on the power of the bull, taking control of this energy. So this was symbolic of me embracing and integrating this bull or more aggressive kind of masculine or earthy masculine energies. Wow, what a fascinating progression, dream, dream-wise. And, and it's, what it says is you all those dreams were taking you through an integration of the masculine and feminine sides of the other, if you will, in your soul. Is that what we're saying? Uh, yes. Um, another level of understanding to this archetype and personal growth is the ritual killing of bulls. In antiquity, washing in bulls' blood was believed to be necessary for cleansing, eternal life, and salvation. This was followed by a meal of the bull's flesh. So the adherents to Mithras believed that by eating the bull's flesh and drinking its blood, they would be born again. So participation in this rite would give not only physical strength, but lead to an immortality of the soul and to eternal life. This dream not only mirrored remnants of an ancient archetypal process, but for me, it showed a slight shift in the archetypal story. I could no longer kill or deny this energy as the Mithras ritual had done. Rather, I had to allow it to initiate me into another masculine energy or image. Mm-hmm. So, so why are archetypes in our understanding of them so very important to our personal growth? Why can't we just say, oh, I had a dream about a bull and let it go? Well, archetypes are invisible fields of energy that actually influence human existence. Some even say they determine human existence. They are the riverbeds along which psychic life flows, like the invisible jet stream that determines the course of the weather. These hidden currents shape our lives. In many ways, we fall under their spell and live out their lives unconsciously as fate. So to wake up to the influence of an archetype is to begin to participate in its drama with some awareness. Personal growth, then, depends on our ability to transcend the limits of our personal stories. To do this, we must recognize the multiple hidden meanings beneath our thoughts, our desires, our fantasies, and behaviors. Beneath our seemingly conscious lives, 
is a whole other world. So understanding these hidden currents, these archetypal forces that lie beneath our drives, our obsessions, our longings, will radically change our view of ourselves and ultimately our personal stories and our lives. So then how do we personally become conscious to the need to recognize archetypes or our archetypes and grow out grow out of what appears to be our fate? Well, watching for compulsions is a good way to start, Bertha. Okay. A compulsion can be a struggle against a part of the soul, a part of ourselves that continues to remain unconscious and is often projected then onto this object of the environment, object of desire, or the object of our compulsion. We might think of it as a part of the self that longs to be acknowledged and brought into conscious life. For example, in sex, especially compulsive and destructive sex, I would suggest that some part of the soul continues to be disconnected, misplaced onto the object of the desire in the outer world. So to continue to repeat this behavior, you know, compulsively, is to remain stuck in the, in the limited personal story of our apparent fate. But to transcend the personal story, to get at the hidden meaning, to get at the archetypal meaning, or the unconscious and non-personal meaning, brings another level of understanding and allows us then to shift that behavior. Whether we are, you know, whenever we have a conflict, for example, we're caught in, say, an ambivalence about making a decision in a practical matter. Oftentimes, the basis for such a dilemma is our inability to distinguish between the concrete and the symbolic meaning of the pondered action. The concrete and the symbolic are two different levels of reality. These two levels need to be separated out and considered separately. When this is done, the objective decision is often much more easily reached. Huh, that's a that's really a lot to think about. And what I'm hearing is that, especially when we are conflicted, we need to learn to explore the symbolic level of our reality or of the conflict. Would that be a correct way to put it? That's correct. What is happening on the personal level, as troubling as that might be, is not as important as what is happening on the archetypal or symbolic level. For example, a conflict between a son and his father on the personal level may be a manifestation of the archetypal story of the death of the old king, the death and the destruction of a ruling consciousness. It may be that the ruling consciousness of the internalized father which the son is now carrying, is the source of the conflict. A consciousness that is in opposition to the one that the son is living or the one that's wanting to emerge in the son or is wanting to live in the son. Now, this conflict can certainly get projected out on the father-son relationship and result in fights and arguments, outright rejection of the father, if not understood from its archetypal or symbolic um, source. Yeah, I, I think we've all seen that, not consciously of what's going on, but definitely seen that in, in some way or another. So how did awareness of the symbolic meaning affect you personally, Sheldon? Well, I discovered that there was another masculine energy or image that longed to initiate me into its life. Um, it was symbolized by the bull. 
But I could no longer kill or deny this energy as the Mithras ritual had done. But rather, it was my task to integrate that energy into my consciousness and to embody the repressed and split-off masculinity. So personal growth for me depended on my ability to transcend the limits of my personal story. Mm. So understanding the archetypal force that lie beneath my story or that lie beneath our drives and our obsessions and our longings begins to change how we view ourselves. And then we change our story. And when we change our story, we change our lives. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a, a very brave journey. And um, I, I think it's a worthy journey, but it sounds like it could be overwhelming for someone to take on by themselves without guidance. I know, I know I feel that way. Um, do you have any starter advice for those who are willing to explore this really key archetypal important side of themselves? Well, one way, at least for men, would be to identify what movies you like. Especially movies with male action, power and aggression. Identify which character you most identify with or which one you would most like to be if you were in the movie. Notice what it is that you like about that character. Do you possess those characteristics or do you lack them? What do they represent to you? You know, for men who are attracted to other men, ask yourself, what is it about that character in the movie that you like, that attracts you? Perhaps you long for the archetype of the warrior because you feel powerless in your life. Maybe you need warrior energy. Or maybe it's the hero in the movie that attracts you because you feel lost with no direction. Or maybe it's the villain that you like because maybe you're a nice guy, always accommodating other people when you'd like to say no or even be mean at times. We tend to be attracted to or to like the characters that we would like to be or that we are in need of. Yeah, and I I would have to say I think that's true uh, for both men and women. I mean, I I think back uh, growing up with the Xena warrior princess and, you know, all of the the female Wonder Woman and the female archetypes that were important um, to me as as a young girl or as a growing up girl. So um, I I appreciate that insight, Salden. It gives me more insight into myself uh, and to other people as well. So what will we be talking about next time? Well, next time, we'll take a look at the archetypes of the masculine and feminine energies as spiritual forces. Super. Uh, Well, as always, Sheldon, thanks so much for this exploration and, and your candid sharing of this groundbreaking topic on the relationship between spirituality and sexuality. And we want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this episode. If you found it valuable, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and feel free to share it with others. We appreciate you joining us on this journey of exploration as we reach out to provide validation and deeper understanding of modern sexual and spiritual expression. Yes, and thank you all for listening and please join us next time.